I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Want a weekly roundup of the best CBC Radio programming? Subscribe to the CBC Radio 1 newsletter. Get a digest of the week's top stories. Read in-depth articles. Listen to interviews and documentaries. And get the lowdown on upcoming stories from CBC Radio 1 that you need to hear. To subscribe, go to cbc.ca slash radio and look for the subscribe button. The CBC Radio 1 newsletter. Be informed. This is Play Me, your digital theater. We transform the hottest contemporary plays into bingeable audio dramas. I'm Laura Mullen. And I'm Chris Tolley. Welcome back to Play Me. Today is a special bonus episode, an interview with Cliff Cardinal, the award-winning playwright and performer of Huff. For those listeners who are new to Play Me, we take some of the country's best theatre productions and transform them into audio dramas. We then podcast them in three chapters and follow up each show with an in-depth interview with the playwright. Huff is a gut-wrenching and darkly humorous tale about Wind and his brothers, all caught in a cycle of solvent abuse following the death of their mother. In our interview with Cliff, he talks frankly about a taboo subculture, Indigenous kids who abuse solvents and are at a high risk of suicide. Cliff says that this is the one group that we are most afraid to talk about as a society and how they left him with feelings of helplessness. Cliff pours these emotions into Huff by creating a hallucinogenic dream world that sheds light on the disturbing reality that many youth in Canada struggle with today. Cliff Cardinal is a writer and performer known for his biting humour and compassionate poeticism. His work has won numerous awards, including Dora Awards for Outstanding New Play and Outstanding Performance, for his solo show, Huff. In 2018, the work was honoured by winning the Lustrum Award at the prestigious Edinburgh Festival. He's also the son of the iconic actress Tantu Cardinal, which he talks a little bit about in his interview. If you haven't yet heard Huff, you can listen to all three episodes by subscribing to our feed through your favourite podcast player, or you can listen online by visiting cbc.ca forward slash playmecbc. Here is my interview with Cliff Cardinal. For those who haven't had the opportunity to see Huff or to hear Huff yet, can you tell me a little bit about what it's about? Uh, Huff is about Indigenous kids who abuse solvents and are at high risk of suicide. I thought that was our most taboo sub- subculture, the one group that we're most afraid to talk about. And I was so compelled by this uh this very this taboo subculture that um, I, I I was haunted by it. I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about it. So um, I thought at the time that it was our responsibility as artists and as audience members to 
to try to go through that experience as imagine uh, try to imagine that experience as empathetically as we can. Um, of course, you know, knowing we'll never understand, but we owe it to each other to try. Why do you think that is such a taboo subculture, subgroup? Well, people feel so powerless, you know. Um, it's not that people don't care. It's that they don't know what to do. And I also don't know what to do. I wrote a play about it, and still, I, you know, I don't know what to do about... Not that there is, and but there probably isn't anything to do. You know, it's... Um, Anywhere there is poverty, uh, hopelessness, disenfranchisement, you get kids growing up on the fringes uh, who come up with some some ugly coping mechanisms, um, and that's just that's just part of life. And I hope that I mean, as a fiction writer, I think what most fiction writers you know think about the world is that we should be more compassionate with with one another. That's not a big statement to make, and that's as far as I'll go. But um, you know, we should be more compassionate with one another. We should we should take a look over uh, on the other side of the subway car, and and you know, and think about what other people are going through every now and again. <laughs> when I read it, um, I I was shocked by it because even though, of course, I have heard of kids sniffing solvents and and high suicide rates on reserves. I hadn't actually seen it portrayed or read it portrayed. Um, Did you have any hesitation in putting that out there? No, I didn't have any hesitation. I was like 27. I didn't didn't really think about uh, what was going to be the outcome of it. I just thought, uh, you know, I wanted to change the world. Um, I wanted to make a difference. And uh, you know that stuff never happened, but I learned along the way that it's enough of a difference to entertain people for a night, to put on a good show, and to you know make people feel and to make bring people together and go through an experience and and imagine together. Um, I think that this is a story for uh, for any any community that faces you know this kind of poverty and this kind of uh, dereliction. Um, you know, if you change ten. If you change 10 references, it can be about any, any you know, any color of skin. Um, and the stuff in the play, it turns my stomach. I hate, I hate it. You know, I, I, you know, it really makes me upset. And that's, that's why, that's why I do it. In your author's notes in the script, um, you say that you want to do a show that the kids in the play would love. Where did those kids come from? Um, well, it's, it's, it's. Fiction always is a, is a combination between fact and, and the lie. Um, you write partially from your own experience, and then anytime you want, you're allowed to lie about it. And that lie becomes the oil that goes on the canvas. And one thing to think about is that the kids in this story, they're, you know, the little indigenous kids, they look like me. You know, they do, they do, they look like me, and... and um, you know, had I not been so, so blessed in my life, uh, you know, I could have ended up in a, in a similar situation. And now what you got to remember is that I am seriously blessed. I am Tantu Cardinal's son. You know, I, I grew up in Toronto around artists, theater makers, painters, you know, um, uh, pe- people from all walks of life. Uh, it was not a homogenized sort of sort of sort of lifestyle. And the way you made money 
when you got broke, as you inevitably did, was you went and joined a, a theater piece. You joined an art project. You know, you made something. You created something with your friends. Uh, when I dropped out of high school, I was having a hard time. When I dropped out of high school, I was sent to the back of the Cameron House where the video cabaret was producing um, uh, New France. And that became my 10th grade year, was just going into the back of that place, listening to Michael direct this strange, eccentric, black box style of theater. And it made an imprint on me. Um, and so, you know, my life is very, very different from the kids in this play. You know, my mom is very, very present in my life. And, uh, you know, whereas the kids have lost their mom. Um, and uh, I, have, I have been raised in, you know, steeped in art, in a basin of art. I've been given, you know, so many privileges as an artist. I have an enviable upbringing for anyone, you know. Um, and so I have the, you know, the, the, the extreme privilege of being able to tell a story, uh, find the collaborators around me who would support me to take big risks, um, both with the craft and with the storytelling style. Um, and, um, you know, every part of me as an artist has been nurtured all along the way. I was able to go to the National Theatre School of Canada, you know, for Christ's sake, you know. What did... Um theater provide you that school didn't? Well, I was good at theater, I thought. Um, I, I don't, I, well, once I found theater and making an art, I thought I was going to be an actor. I thought we were going to be doing this interview uh, from my hotel room where we'd be smoking cigarettes um, with Richard Campbell. Uh, my intention was to finish school, go into the field, audition all the time, do whatever, do whatever, you know, it took to get famous. And that's what would happen. And so somewhere along, like rejection forms you. Um, it, it changes. You, you realize who you are, what you're good at, what you can do and what you can't do yet. And so I'd always had a I'd always loved to write. And I, I was always kept up with that. I wanted to, you know, write fiction and write and write a book. And, and um, you know, I was a very um, idealistic boy. And around the, sometime along the way, I started getting a little bit better at it. I kept writing plays and, and, and developed them at the Video Cabaret. And I wrote a play called Stitch in 2011, which opened at the Summerworks Festival with Cara G. It was a one-woman show. Um, and it went really, really well. Me and Kara both won an award, and all of a sudden, I, I had something that I knew about, which was that uh, I had to say what I wanted to say. It wasn't about uh, people asking me to come and act in their play or come asking me to, to, you know, to do this sort of thing. Um, if I was going to be noticed, it was going to be because I did the work of, of putting my voice into the world. Um, and again, I didn't know any better, so I just kept going on the way I did. And the next year, we put out Huff, and, and I've been touring that show for like six years now. And, uh, you know, you don't get to choose who you are. <laughs> you don't get to choose your parents. Um, and uh, you don't get to choose the history and, and what makes you who you are as an artist. But you know what? I've got a new play we're opening in the spring, in April, at the Video Cabaret. Um, it's in their signature black box style. Uh, and I'm writing and directing it. It's called Too Good to Be True. And we've got Sherry Miracle, Ryan Cunningham, uh, both acting in the play. And um, 
it's uh, it's now the the biggest thing in my in my sights uh, uh, right now, and that's uh, a very compelling artistic experience. The challenge of a lifetime to create this um, this strange, wacky play that I've written and present it in the black box style. Um, I want to get back to Huff for a minute and and ask you about the start of the play. Yeah, which is a very shocking opening. You have a bag on your head, mm-hmm. and you. Um, tell the audience basically how much time you have left that you can breathe. Um, I just want to know, what's the reaction to that from the audience? Oh, I can't really see, you know, because I'm in a plastic bag and there's lights shining in my eyes. Um, I, can't, I have no idea. But I feel that they're into it. Uh, the monologue has gotten has come a long way over the years. The biggest thing when you're doing this really dark material, very arresting imagery or things that people would rather not look at is the you're fighting the audience's um, natural ability, desire to start thinking about other shit. You know, like if I'm watching something and it's bad, I, you know, I think about the things I have to do tonight, milk, eggs, bread, that, you know, anything. My mind changes. And so... The craft of doing that work is to figure out a way to keep the audience's imagination engaged. Um, a lot of one of the ways that's done is with uh, comedy. You know, if you open up to something, you know, if you laugh, you open up, uh, and if you open up, then we have a chance of 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 drag of bring, of dragging you along into this into this world. You know, the craft of storytelling. Um, you know where you can say something and where it goes too far, gauging the audience's reaction night after night, how far they're willing to go with you. Um, and it's been six years and over 200 shows where now uh, people think it's hilarious. People laugh at that moment now, at the, at the beginning. I think really? it's kind of a, you know, a, a horrified laughter, but, um, but I, you know, I, I, do, I do think that we're, we're starting the journey then. And knowing, of course, that some people, it's just too fucked up. They don't want to do it. They're not going there. Um, it's like, um, I think of it like a fight scene, you know, a staged fight scene. You want to fool about 75% of the audience, I've heard, somewhere around there, right? Some people are, are sitting too far along the, on the wings, and they see that the sword is missing by, you know, six inches, and the guy's not getting punched, and he's holding it there under his arm. Um, but the rest of the audience is there. They can still imagine that the fight is happening. And that's what I tried to go th- to do with, you know, really hard, really hard images, some of the, like, the more, you know, some of the really really ugly stuff in Huff is is we're we're still we're trying to get about 70 75% of the audience to go with us and the people who aren't up for that part of it um I'll try again I'll keep trying I'm the scene's changing just a second I'm try again You ask the audience to save you why do you draw them into it in such a big way We had to have something to do with the plastic bag Take this bag. Oh, oh, oh! Right at the, at the top, at the beginning. Well, at the time, um, we were really interested in this idea of audience implication. You know, move it past, get, be gripping, change the way that you know, change the way that the audience sees a play. I thought they watch an audi- they watch a show, um, 
They watch a play in one way. They watch the Super Bowl in the other day, they, in another way. They watch a porno video in another way from that, you know? And, and I always wanted to sort of co-mingle those sorts of, those sorts of feelings. And also, I was really into the TV show Jackass. Do you remember that? Yeah. It was so, it was so funny. And, and um, the, the, it was, these guys would hurt each other and film it. The guy would fall down and he'd be rolling on the ground in pain and everyone would be laughing at him and he would be laughing too. And so in a world where like our millennial generation, we grew up very, very soft helmets and and knee pads and stuff like that. And the lesson with that show, if there was a higher, a higher poetic message to, to Jackass, it was that, you know, don't be a wuss. Don't be a wuss, you know, jump off. Jump off. It, you might hurt yourself, uh, but you're not going to die. It's going to be fine, and we're all going to have a great time. And so, look, uh, if the kid, if if people are going through shitty experiences, you know, the, the 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 characters that I'm portraying are going through shitty experiences. I can do it too, you know. I can actually do it too. So I actually put a bag on my head, you know. Um, I go through as much of that as I can uh, for the audience's delight, you know. And I can take it. It's not that bad. You have a very funny and powerful and effective character called Trickster. Can you talk a little bit about the origin of Trickster and how you use it in your play? Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's a create it's a creation myth. The Trickster character, uh, you know, is an archetypical character that traverses many many different cultures. It's everywhere. Um, most. Most notably for me, it's it was in Thompson Highway's work. Obviously, I'm you know an indigenous playwright, I guess. So you have to have a you have to big have a big understanding. Well, no, Thompson Highway was in my house as a child. Thompson Highway sat dinner, you know, ate dinner at my house, spent time with my mom when I was a child. You know, that's why Thompson Highway is a big influence on me and I and I thought it was very very interesting the way he did it and it's not at all the way I have brought Trickster to life in my work or the way Wawate does you know um, it's also probably uh, you know uh, the, the, the think my thinking is that people shouldn't be so predictable you set your plans out but what actually happens in the world has absolutely nothing to do with with what you say in your head and what you lay out, you know. Um, and when you start thinking that you got you got this, uh, you know, things are going to get messed up. I think that's what works so well in your play is it is so unpredictable because it is pairing the darkest of dark things with so much humor and and. Uh, zaniness for lack of a better word yeah no I get it that's just the way that I I like shows you know that's just it's just my aesthetic um, I, I can watch anything I, I love a romantic comedy I'll watch an episode of the Jersey Shore you know like really I'm not 
I'm not a snob about what's exciting entertainment or what what's funny or or you know, it, it that doesn't bother me. But when I really love something, when I'm compelled, when I'm sitting there crying and laughing at the same time, it is dark. It does face uh, th- that ultimate fear. It does. It it is um, you know an existential work. It is a, a glimpse at at what scares us or or the meaning behind su- or through between suffering. Um, that's what. That's what I go for. You play so many characters in this play, people and animals. But what I found really interesting was that you also play a sense. There's a character called Smell. Can you talk a little bit about that character? Yeah, sure. Um, Okay, here's what we figured out. Is that one of the big uh, components to this play is shame. You know, the things that we were trying to hold on to so bad. And that's what's, you know, the, the... the breath that has to get out and you know you're wearing it you're wearing this this shame that you you know when i was a self-loathing young kid like sometimes you felt embarrassed because of the disadvantage uh, i you know i would you feel i'd feel as a as a young kid um feeling ashamed in in places feeling like you don't deserve to be somewhere is just um is just a theme I discovered somewhere along the way and one that, you know, represented poetically as as a smell. You know, like when you smell bad, you can't, you don't feel like you deserve to be anywhere. I know that you've been performing the show many times for many years. Is it hard to um, go there to sustain that energy for this particular piece? The audience is is there. The audience gives so much. You know, like you have to be there for the audience. You have to like if you think you're having a hard time, it's like you can't leave the audience in these dark places. You have a rep, you know, you have a responsibility to leave the audience with the breath of hope, you know, to make people feel at least a little bit better than when they went into the audience, when they went into uh, into the show. If you do a bad show, um, people, people, you know, couples start arguing on the way out. You know, people get into fights on the, uh, you know, at the bar. You know, if you do a bad show, everybody's in danger. I know you've performed it in many different countries. Is the reaction the same everywhere you go? The, 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 the performance and the show has evolved to a place now where it, it's becoming the same. It's, it's the same everywhere we go. Um, you know, I didn't always know these things about the show, about how you have to make people laugh. You have to you have to keep fighting for people. Um, you can never, you know, you ha- you always have to keep winning them back. I didn't know that all along the way. There was there were very punk elements to it, and I myself am a punk rocker. My band actually used to play. We well, the, two of the guys live just down the street uh, from where we're recording right now, um, so. I always thought that it was like a social mission, that there was a political nature to it, that I had to stick up for the kids, you know, and all and, and all that stuff. And so if you don't like it, it's because you suck, you know, and that's not and that's not the way it is. It's like if you don't like it, it's, you know, it's probably because I didn't do a good enough job. It's probably because I didn't I didn't give you enough opportunities to come along and, and invite you in, in the way that that the play really deserves. You know, so that takes years and years of going on stage and doing, you know, bad performances and then okay performances and then good performances where really bad things happen and, you know. Um, so country to country, it, it doesn't it doesn't make a difference. Um, you know, what but 
even in French, we do it with French surtitles. Um, it doesn't make a difference. What, 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 you know, what makes a difference is, is the level of the performance. And, you know, I didn't get this. I, we didn't really figure that out until Edinburgh. We were just at the Edinburgh Festival. We won the Lustrum Award at the Edinburgh Festival this past, um, this past uh, spring. I guess I'm not over that. I have to, I have to tell people that all the time. Um, it's a big deal. Because we're, really, we're really, really proud of it. And also, you know, for, you know the, I, I'm, I'm on a team of people. People work really, really hard to get Huff out and, noti- out and noticed. A lot of people's work goes into it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm so proud to be, to be a part of this, this energy. Could anybody else perform Huff? Is it, is it a Cliff Cardinal show or is it a show that you hope will have a life when you are no longer playing a, a you know, a kid on a reserve. Well, no one, can, no one else can right now. There's currently no one in the world who can do what I do. <laughs> but we're, high, but we're looking for somebody. We're doing workshops uh, with two young performers, one male and one female. And um, yeah, I think now having learned what I've learned about how how to do the show, I wanted, I want to, you know. Um, I want to do the job as it's meant to be done for a little while, but then I would love to see uh, this thing that we've built go on. I would love if it had, you know, a new meaning and, and advanced perspective by bringing in a female performer. You know, I'd love, to, I'd love to see all those things happen. Can you tell us a little bit about your writing process? How do you start? Um, I write every day, um, early in the morning. I try to do Stephen King's 2,000 words a day. Sometimes I don't make it. Um, I write things that uh, hurt, the things that uh, embarrass me, the things that I'm ashamed of. Um, and then I take a break, play my guitar, uh, jam with my band, the Skylarks, um, and take projects uh, to, to, to the next level as I feel like working on them. Whatever I feel like working on that day, I just gently go over and, and do that and... I have so it takes me a long time to come up with stuff. You know, I don't, I can't. I I always wanted to do a new thing every year, but I'm just not that kind of guy. It takes me a while, um, and uh, as long as I'm uh, consistently putting rigor into it every day for you know four hours or two thousand words, then um, you know things are coming along in a nice way. How long does it take you to write two thousand words? Uh, it depends on the day. Sometimes it takes me an hour. Sometimes it takes me four hours. Sometimes I eat ice cream. And when you're writing a piece, do you know the end? Do you work out what your structure is or do you... As soon as possible. And that was something Michael told me uh, in, one of our, uh, in one of the meetings we had when he was teaching me about writing as I was coming up. So do it every day and find your ending as soon as you can. Because once you've got the ending, you have something to drive, to drive for. You know, you know what's happening. Um, so yeah, as soon as you get the ending, then you've got a story on your hands. It, it it finishes itself. And you mentioned that you're a musician as well. Do you bring that into your work? Do they work together, being a musician and being a writer? They don't work together. Well, I mean, I, I I'm a songwriter. I you know I write my own songs, and my songs are very much the same aesthetic as my plays. They're dark stories to a catchy melody, um, and so. They, I don't try to to 
you know, I wouldn't write a play and write a song. I don't think I would do a musical just because it just takes too much time. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about? I wonder, because I know you've probably talked about Huff so many times because you've, you've been to Edinburgh, you've performed it for so many years. I, I feel like I'm probably asking you questions you've answered a million times. Is there any anything else you want to touch on? Um, just that I'm, you know, I'm grateful to to you, Laura, and you, Chris, and 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 you who's listening for for hearing me uh, and making uh, me and and my stories, you know, part of your life stories and part of the texture of the things that you heard and the things that you you. Uh, you saw on your brief, brief walk on this planet and that you shared this time with me. Like it, it, you know, it means the world to me. It means everything to me. Thanks for having me. We'd love to hear what you think of our show. You can email us at playme at cbc.ca and please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes to help get the word out about our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Expect Theatre and on Instagram at PlayMePodcast. Special thanks to our CBC producers, Fabiola Melendez-Carletti, Cecil Fernandez, and Tanya Springer. The executive producer of CBC Podcasts is Arif Narani. The senior director of audio innovation is Leslie Merklinger. PlayMe is produced by Laura Mullen and Chris Tolley. The associate producer is Pippa Johnstone. Play Me is funded by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Ontario Arts Council. Play Me is produced by Expect Theatre in partnership with CBC Podcasts. For more information on our plays and artists, please visit playmepodcast.com. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.